Welcome to Beyond the Body, a podcast for women who aren't afraid to dive deep into who they are, embrace discomfort, and level up their mind, body, and life. I'm your host, Christina Slater. If you've ever struggled with body image, self-worth, or knowing how to take your fitness to the next level, you have come to the right place. We go deeper than just the latest fad diet or trending workout to provide you with the mindset tools to transform your body, upgrade your mind, and reclaim your life. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Beyond the Body. I'm your host, Christina Slater. And today, again, I am joined by our head coach at Cut and Conquer, Brittany Burgess. Hey, guys. What's going on? So today we are going to be talking about addiction and obsession and really just have a discussion around those things that we often turn to to escape from the pain going on in our reality. And we will typically associate addiction with things like drugs and alcohol, but honestly, it does go way beyond that. We typically get addicted and obsessed to things because they bring us pleasure. Okay. Even when the results of doing that thing, participating in that activity, or being around that person that we are addicted to can cause us pain in the long run. Yeah. I think we're, you know, we're all wired, I guess, for addiction and obsessions of some sort not just, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, we're constantly anything We're you know, we're checking the news at four minute intervals to keep, you know, the news from ourselves at bay. We're doing sports, we're exercising, you know, exhausting our bodies in the hope of not having to, you know, hear from our minds and just to, you know, shut our minds out. We're, there's some of us even using work to get away from the true internal work that we're, you know, avoiding working on ourselves, I guess you know, the most compelling addictions sound very righteous to the world. Yeah, absolutely. And before we get into this discussion too far, I think it's so important to kind of talk about dopamine because that's a huge, huge component to addiction. And especially when we're talking about habit creation, being able to form new habits, break those bad habits that are correlated to whatever we might be addicted to or turning to as our our vice to kind of escape whatever we're trying to escape from. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter. And if you guys don't know what that is, we're not going to get too much into the science, but just for a bit of context, a neurotransmitter is a molecule that kind of bridges the gap between two neurons. And dopamine specifically is associated with a reward. Okay. It's involved in pleasure, but it's not the only neurotransmitter associated with pleasure, but it is really, really key. Now, something that is super interesting about dopamine that not a lot of people know is that we are constantly releasing dopamine. Every single person is going to kind of have a baseline rate of dopamine in their body. And then it's those deviations from that baseline that's essentially going to cause us to experience pleasure and or pain. Okay. So like Brittany kind of touched on already, there's so many things that we can be addicted to and or even just obsessed with. So things like food, food is going to be a huge one. We're going to get into that one more. Emotional eating, binge eating, those can be addictions for us. Obviously drugs, obviously alcohol, those types of substances, very addictive, nicotine, cigarettes, even caffeine. There's a lot of caffeine addicts out there, probably 
some right here. (laughs) (laughs) Me? Um, (laughs) Are you talking about me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sex, porn. Porn is a really interesting one that I want to get into later on as well. Even things like video games, social media, like Brittany said, checking the news, checking your phone, like social media apps, TikTok, Instagram, they are created by very, very intelligent people, very large companies that like to play on the way that humans get rewards. Even just like the swiping, the scrolling through TikTok, it really plays into how we release that dopamine. Things like gambling. Um, You can even be addicted to people, be addicted to certain relationships, thoughts, environment, work. Work is a huge one. And a lot of the times that one's associated with almost being positive, like, Oh, you're a workaholic. I love work, 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 but it can be so, so destructive. Dopamine is freaking crazy. And like you were saying, it's, it's that pleasure. Right. And it's, it's, I guess it's the good way to put it too, is our brain's reward system. Right. And even like the smallest things too. And like, you nailed it on the head with anything, but even like, so silly, like coming home and you know, your mom, is baking and just that smell of cookies baking in the oven. Like that can be dopamine for somebody. And then of course, we're obviously going to get into this. Um, you know, dopamine is the feeling of pleasure and like our brains reward, but having too much dopamine, a high dopamine level is obviously what's going to lead us a more risk-taking addictive behaviors. And, you know, those just, of course, like just obsession, obsession of things, obsession of, you know, the sex, the porn, the gambling, and that's where it turns into a negative thing. And obviously we're going to get into that. Yeah. And what's also interesting to build on that a little bit is uh, I don't know the studies off the top of my head, but there is research out there that suggests (laughs) that those people who are more of like adrenaline junkies, those people typically have a, it's more likely that they will become addicted to something than people who are a little more laid back, which is really, really interesting. A lot of addicts find that they are always kind of chasing a certain high, right? And we're not just talking about drugs, like they're chasing a high on life. And those types of people will typically feel very bored with the everyday monotonous routine of life. Oh yeah. And like, like you said too, like the adrenaline junkie and like even we all get a glimpse into that. You know, when you do something crazy that you're not used to, or, you know, you go bungee jumping and you're like, oh my God. And you have that feeling after you're like, holy shit, like this is crazy. There's people out there that feel like that all the freaking time, right? Like it's wild, you know? And like you said too, it could be anything of that, that chasing that high. People have that feeling for literally anything. And like you said, it's not just drugs, alcohol. It literally can be anything. There's people out there that, for example, are addicted to shopping and they chase that high of after they make this friggin' huge purchase, right? Like it, it's huge. Yeah. You can literally be addicted to anything. And that just like sparked, do you remember that show that was like my strange addiction? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it literally, it was everything, <laughs> literally everything. <laughs> so That's funny, hilarious. but it's so, so true. I'm, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Are you? Cause I'm not like, not at all. <laughs> um, I'm not, but like I was just saying, when I do something like crazy, like something I'm not used to, or, you know, out of my comfort zone, I guess you could say. And I'm like, oh my God, like I freaking love this feeling. Right. But I'm don't, I don't find myself 
chasing it, like where people do that, right? Like they always need to be doing something friggin' crazy. I, yeah. So you know what? No, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I play it pretty safe actually. (laughs) I do too. I think like the way that I frame it, this is a little off topic, but the way that I frame it is like, I care about the people in my life so much and I care about my life so much. Like, why would I fucking risk it? I don't care about that high from jumping out of an airplane. I'm not going to jump out of an airplane. Like, (laughs) I'll get my high from eating chocolate. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's not that I'm afraid of jumping out of an airplane. I just don't want to. See, and that's the thing. Like, if someone like came up to me and like, was like, okay, do you like, I'll pay for it. Everything done and done. Will you jump out of a plane with me tomorrow? Like if one of my friends or something, I would honestly probably do it. I wouldn't. No. <laughs> I would probably do it because like, I'm like, okay, you know what? Like, let's bring and do it. Let's kill it. And then it'll be that feeling after. And I'll be like, oh my God, I just want to always jump out of freaking planes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wouldn't even bungee jump because I just read this article about jump- bungee jumping and how you can bungee jump and your like retinas can like detach from your eyeballs. All right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I won't do that now. Oh my God. It sounds awful. Holy shit. Right. I'm like, do I want a bungee jump or do I want my retinas attached to my eyes? Like I would prefer (laughs) everyone listening. Do not go bungee jumping. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. Like when I ride my bike, I always wear my helmet. I feel like that should literally be something that you just do. Do. Some people make fun of me for like, and it's not in a bad way, but they're like, oh my God, you're wearing a helmet. I'm like, fucking yeah, right because I care about my family I care about my boyfriend I care about Brittany I care about my clients like I don't want to die <laughs> no it's true and some people like you said they don't they, whatever like the more adrenaline they can get the better exactly anyways back on track here but <laughs> I think that's an <laughs> yeah, important discussion to have yeah if you are someone who kind of has that addictive personality, or maybe you're not even like an addict, you just are finding yourself obsessed with something, drawn to something, it's it's important to have the awareness to be able to examine what it is that you're trying to escape from. Because typically, we almost subconsciously turn to something that is going to give us that pleasure because we're trying to escape from a certain type of pain. Yeah. And that honestly, and I don't know about you, but I can definitely relate to that. Even just, you know, going to the gym is kind of like, I guess my escape from, you know, the world and life and work and, you know, burying my head in the gym. Right. I know a lot of people are like that. And I'm assuming you probably are like that too, at some, uh, you know, in one way or another. Oh, absolutely. Yep. The gym, definitely a, a healthy addiction, but it can yeah. be taken, it can be taken too far. I feel like anything. Yeah. yeah. I feel that most people that, that train, like they're, they have, there's, they go through ebbs and flows of intense training, a little bit less intense training, but yeah. most logical gym goers can keep it within reason. But there are those people who get so obsessed. And the thing is, is it's usually not like the gym or the workout that they're chasing. It's like the body, right? Yeah. Um, same thing with like, anorexia, bulimia, those types of things. Like no one really is intentionally doing that. No one's like intentionally trying to have any of those types of diseases, disorders, whatever we want to call them. But it is the result of us trying to escape the pain of being in our body, trying to escape the pain of whatever's going on in our head, in our life. So we're turning to these things to get that hit of dopamine, even though it's not really a hit, but it it feels like it is. Yeah. And like, 
being inside of our own minds, you know, for most of us, it's intense. There's everyone has so much shit going on. Everyone's minds are so filled with stuff with, you know, anxiety and stress. And, you know, we're constantly filled with thoughts we don't want to properly entertain, you know, whether that be family issues, friend issues, work issues, just life in general. Right. And that's how people cope with it. That's how people get out of their own heads, I guess, is when they find something and, you know, they obsess over it because it's something else to, you know, think about. And that obsession, like we were saying in the beginning, can literally be anything. It can be scrolling on Instagram for hours and hours at a time because you do not have to think about the world going on around you and you don't have to think about your life and, you know, your to-do lists. Absolutely. And if you're someone who is social media addicted, I've heard kind of that you can be, it can be kind of like stemming from that place of unworthiness from something inside of you, right? Because we're looking for those likes, we're looking for the followers. And as soon as we get that, we feel good, right? It gets addicting because we're not getting that from somewhere else in our life. Now, I'm definitely not saying that social media is bad. I love social media. We're not saying that chasing adrenaline is bad. The bungee jumping, skydiving, whatever is bad. And a lot of people just do that because it's fun. They enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. We all have different personalities, different hobbies. That's great. There are healthy addiction, not necessarily healthy addictions, but there's those healthy things that we can get quote unquote addicted to or obsessed with. That's going to help us become better, help us have more fun, help us be happier people, help us grow in general. But what we really want to kind of like focus in on is those addictions that we that we want to break, those addictions that are not serving us or the people around us, right? Yes. And people is a big one too. And you said that in the beginning as well. You can get addicted to people, the feeling of being with somebody, with a spouse, with a friend. And like anything, like you were just saying, this can go either, you know, in a positive or a negative way. This person can be actually fantastic for you and better and, you know, betters you as a person, or you could be addicted to somebody who is not good for you and brings you down as a person. Which is more likely because again, we're usually chasing those highs, right? So anyone who has been in a toxic relationship, a manipulative relationship, a relationship with a narcissist is going to know that those types of relationships, when it's good, it's really, really good. good. And when it's bad, it's really, really bad. And usually it's a lot more bad than good, but we're chasing that high of like how good it can be. That one little freaking day out of the whole month is amazing. (laughs) And that's what we're chasing. We're going back for more, back for more because we know how good it can feel. And when we are experiencing that, everything else that would typically bring us pleasure in life, the simple things, they seem to kind of fade into the background and we get very narrow focused. And this can happen very easily in in a relationship when all you start to care about is that person liking you, that person giving you validation. And I, I heard this this quote and I thought it was really powerful. And it was that addiction is the progressive narrowing of things that bring you pleasure. So- Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. If you are finding that you are getting zoned in on one thing in your life, whether that's a person, some type of thought, it can literally be thoughts in your brain. Um, It can be an activity like video games. It can be pornography. If you're finding that that thing, that person, whatever it is, is becoming one of the only things that makes you feel good and everything else is kind of dimming into the background, that's a really big sign that 
we need to, we need to get you some help with it. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And like to get a good, I guess, measure of our levels of addiction and obsession to anything, we need only consider, you know, when is the last time you were able to sit alone in a room with your own thoughts without distraction, you know, free associating or anything, you know, daring to wander into your past in your future and like really allowing ourselves to feel pain, desire, those regrets, that excitement. Like when is the last time that you were able to just sit alone in a room with your own thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. That's super powerful because I, I know some people who I, I personally feel, and I'm, I'm definitely not a psychologist. I can't like clinically diagnose yeah. anybody, <laughs> but I feel like they are addicted to people. Like they're addicted to just people in general. They always want to be around people. They're either on their phone, they're on social media, or they're out socializing and they cannot be alone. They can't. And in doing that, they can't form any meaningful relationships. Um, And they can't even form a meaningful relationship with themselves because whatever is causing that addiction to, let's say, socializing is stemming from something inside them that they're not willing to deal with within themselves. Yeah. I know you know, a handful of people that are like that, that, and it's crazy how different just talking about how different people are. Cause I'm like literally polar opposite. Like I Same. could, I'd, I'd rather be alone actually. <laughs> I'd mm. rather be alone, but I know so many people that literally cannot be alone and they need to be like with people constantly. Like they just need to have that constant social engagement, right? They literally can't sit at home alone. Like they can't. Yep. Which is crazy and it's mind blowing to me because I am literally the polar opposite. <laughs> and you know I am too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with being social. There's oh, extroverts. No. That's just a type of personality. Mm-hmm. But like Brittany just said, it's it's when you you literally cannot be alone. You yeah. cannot be alone with your own thoughts and you cannot find pleasure without other people around you. And like, and that's where it's like not, and of course, like occasionally, like we were saying, but if you can't do that at all, like that is not good. You should be like, you You should be your own best friend. Like you should be totally fine to be okay by yourself. Yeah. Right. So when you're constantly looking to be with other people and, you know, have other people's opinions and be having conversations with people and you just, you don't, you don't like being by yourself. That's where there's an issue, like an underlying issue there. Mm-hmm. And everyone who knows me knows I'm really big on like having a vision and having a purpose. And I'm not saying we have to have this big immaculate laid out plan for our entire life. But if you are addicted or obsessed with something in an unhealthy way, you will not be able to find your purpose. You're not going to be able to find a passion because you're going to have a distorted sense of pleasure and pain. You're going to be so dialed in on that thing that you are addicted to that you're not going to be able to find pleasure in anything else in your life. It's so true. Like you get so dialed into, you know, something that you're completely obsessed over, like I, like absolutely anything. And, you know, you lose all track of, everything else that's going around in your life. And you're just dialed into that one freaking thing. And again, that's where it becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to, we don't want to mistake like addiction slash obsession for focus, because there's times in my life where I am like 
focused on my goal and like there is nothing getting in my way like i am dialed in if you take competitors for example people prepping for a show athletes competitive athletes and some people would look at them and like say they're obsessed say they're addicted but that's kind of more in my opinion the ebbs and flows of life and of your journey right there's going to be times where like you are just focused dialed in you got your vision set on this thing and like you're gunning for it yeah that's different than again, being addicted to a a substance, a person, a relationship, a thought that is not serving you because we have goals outside of social media. We have goals outside of video games, of sex, of alcohol, of environments, right? So we want to really hopefully bring in that awareness to be able to kind of see ourselves from almost like a bird's eye view. Now, another interesting thing, so this isn't my quote. I actually got this from my mentor's psychologist, which is really interesting, but anyways, (laughs) Um, (laughs) and it's that you can't, what is it? You can't diagnose the prescription from inside the bottle. So you're not always going to know that you're addicted to something. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So it, it can absolutely be a challenge and challenge when you're in that moment, especially when we're talking, well, I mean, substances, because they completely alter your sense of anything, right? Yeah. Um, when you're drunk, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic right now. Like you're not going to even be thinking of that. Same thing with yeah. drugs more, more than likely. And even same thing when you're in those toxic, unhealthy relationships, because I've, I've been there probably not to the extent of a lot of people, Yes, but even in my experience, like your judgment is very, very skewed when you are inside of that situation. And I think that's why addiction is so hard to break. It is because your perception is is skewed. You can't diagnose it from inside the situation. You have your blinders up, mm-hmm. right? You have your blinders up to everything. Even, you know, when you have people telling you that you're addicted to stuff, you're like, no, I'm not like, come on. You have, you're blind to what's going on in the world around you and you see like nothing you're doing wrong. Absolutely. fine. It's anything, you know, alcohol relationships, gambling, gambling's a huge, huge one too, right? Like it's just your blinders are up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess too, like what you said too, about just on like the topic of like addiction and obsession. And like, there's, you were just saying there's good obsessions and like being dialed in and I've been there being focused and all that. And like, that's so great. That's positive shit, but I guess it's a good thing, you know, and you brought this up too, I guess if it's not serving you in a positive way, mm-hmm. then that's where it becomes an issue. If this thing that you are, you know, you're focused on or you're obsessing over or, and if it's not bringing you any positivity and it's not serving you, like it should be serving you. And it's just, you know, that's where the the issue is. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. I want to go back a little bit to something that you said earlier. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it brought up the, uh, the idea of shadow work. Do you know what that is? Okay. Yeah. 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 So for those of you who who are listening, who don't know, um, I do think it's super powerful. It might not be for everyone per se. Oh, and we were kind of talking about not being able to sit alone with yourself, right? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So that kind of, again, could be a sign that like, maybe you should look into some shadow work because we're all about, um, and like Brittany was kind of just saying this as well, like those, we all know that we're good at certain things. We all have certain strengths and we're comfortable with usually admitting those. We like to feel confident about the things we're good at, but we don't like to admit the things that are not such a good part of us, right? We like to kind of suppress that. And what shadow work 
is and does is it's supposed to help you kind of come to terms and accept and love every part of you, even like the, the dark side of you. And another, I'm not an expert in it by any means, but another thing that's super interesting is typically what you pick out in other people, the judgments that you place on other people, the things that you don't like about other people, they're typically the exact same things that you don't like about yourself. So that's a really good place to start. Oh yeah. If you're wondering like, oh, should I be doing some type of self-reflection? If you're someone who is let's say you're judging someone and we don't like to admit that we judge people, but I, I judge people sometimes. I really do try not to, but I do. Well, absolutely. We all do. And I, I think I, we all do. Yeah. And I don't like to admit that that's highly likely a part of me that I actually don't like. It has nothing yeah. to do with the other person. Yeah. So again, with kind of like talking about your, your inner shadow, that's typically composed of like the parts of yourself that you subconsciously reject in yourself and in in other people. I guess it's like shadow work is really great and I think everyone should do it and shadow work is you know you don't have to go to a professional to do it. You can literally do it on your own in your bedroom tonight if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really working with that unconscious mind, you know, and to the, exactly what you were just saying, uncover those parts of yourself that you are repressing and mm-hmm. you're hiding from yourself. Yeah. Which is so great. And like, honestly, this can include absolutely anything. This can include trauma. It can include, you know, parts of your personality, like exactly you were just saying that you subconsciously just consider, you know, something you don't like, undesirable, something you need to work on. And like I said, literally anyone can do this. Anyone can do it. You can do it tonight. You can start it tonight. Yeah. And it's not, it's not per se like a pleasurable experience doing it because we (laughs) don't want to like admit that there's like dark parts of ourselves, right? But if you if you continuously are like rejecting certain things subconsciously about yourself that you don't want to admit that you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of, like that can absolutely show up in your life as an addiction, right? Because we're typically trying to escape these certain things, right? Um, It can show up as things like self-sabotage, right? Which is a big one that we see with fitness. It can, it can absolutely show up in your life and it's not going to, to serve you. How, how I got onto shadow work, I actually just I forget where I heard it on a podcast, but if you just go on like Spotify or probably Apple podcasts as well, and just search up like shadow work, there are podcasts that are specific to that. And they can like walk you through how to actually do it and give you like prompts and kind of like go into depth. Brittany and I are are definitely not experts on that, but there's, there's a lot of good resources out there to, to get into that. If that's something that interests you. Oh, there's so many. There's, there's books, there's, you know, different types of journals. If you like to write stuff out or like Christina was just saying, like, you know, listening to it on Spotify, like if you need to listen to something, just a good way, I guess, to learn how to, you know, love your dark side because, you know, everyone, everyone does have a dark side. (laughs) And we want to kind of, I guess, bring it to light so that you can feel better. You can grow in your life. You can move forward and not be like having those subconscious things showing up in your life and limiting you. Um, If you're not someone who's addicted to something, like we don't want to form an addiction due to something that you are suppressing, right? Yeah. There's definitely more to addiction than that. Um, Mm -hmm. I just thought that that was a noteworthy thing to bring up. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, I guess another interesting perspective when we're talking about addiction, and of course, not every addict is going to 
acknowledge that they that they have an addiction. But if you're someone who's like, you know, you're abusing something in your life, mm-hmm. you want to think about like, what is it worth to you? Right. Because we're we're chasing that thing that makes us feel good. But usually it is that temporary gratification. Typically, when we're talking about these types of addictions, it's not something that is going to serve the future self. It's not something that's going to serve your long-term goals or your, your life or the people in your life. So for example, like if we're not willing to figure out what we're trying to escape from and recognize and acknowledge that we have a problem and that that's okay, but that we have to be willing to work on it. Like, what are you willing to lose? Because I had someone in my family who I'm not close to simply exactly because of this, because I have no good experiences with this person. And because of that, I have made the decision to just cut them out of my life. There's other people that I know that have not cut this person from their life. And all I hear about is unfortunate, shitty things about this person from those people. And that person has lost everything because of their addiction. They have lost their family, their, their, their family, their divorce, their kids don't talk to them. I don't talk to them. A lot of their friends don't talk to them because they've lied to them. They've stole from them. They lost their health because every single thing that they cared about went away because of this addiction. It was their sole focus. They lost their health. They lost literally all of their money. They lost their house, their land, their integrity. No one trusts this person anymore because of this thing that they are addicted to. And after all of that, have they, you know, bettered themselves at all or have made a change? No, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, you, some people of course can hit rock friggin' bottom and they're like, shit, I've hit rock bottom. I got to do something. But unfortunately, when it comes to when you're really, really, you know, in that deep, dark freaking hole, even if when you hit rock bottom, you're just kind of okay. Just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And like clinically addiction is a disease and it's a disease because it does actually change your brain. It actually yeah. changes your brain. So like personally, I don't feel that I'm addicted to anything. So I don't have like that personal experience to really speak on it. But again, like research suggests that a lot of people can break their addiction. It typically mm-hmm. takes about 30 days to reset those reward pathways in your brain, but that's 30 days without that substance or person or thing that they are addicted to, right? Now that yeah. does not mean that you can't relapse after 30 days. Absolutely not. But your dopamine levels, your baseline, it typically takes about 30 days to come back down to what we would call normal. But the thing yeah. is is when we're addicted to something, we're chasing that and we're, we want more of it and more of it and more of it because we are like, we're continuously exposing ourselves to those things that elevates our dopamine. Like we kind of talked about at the beginning and we're dulling our receptivity to pleasure with that constant chase of more, 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 more. And that's why, again, like we talked about, like everything else kind of fades into the background in your life. And that's why you see people who they were so, they, it looked like they had everything, but all they care about is the booze or the drugs. They love their children, but they'll lie to their kids. They'll steal from their kids. They'll do anything to get that thing, that one more thing. And your brain can actually be completely changed. 
And it's not like it's someone, it's not like it's their fault that they keep going back to that thing, let's say, because their brain is, is actually changed. Those, those dopamine pathways are actually broken. And it's, it becomes more of like a, a reflex. You're like, you like say like, yeah, I'm not going to go on my phone. And the next thing you know, you're on your phone. On your phone. Like you don't even remember picking up your phone, but you're on it. That's what it's like for those people that literally have that chemically changed brain pathway. I guess, because we're just what you talked about and we're on this topic. And I guess I can kind of share my own personal experience with this. I'm not saying that I was a crazy addict, (laughs) but I was having issues like I'm going to say six years ago now with alcohol and I was drinking a lot and I was drinking every single night. I was drinking, you know, I was literally going into work and, you know, and I've talked to people about this and I've talked to mom about this and, you know, where I was smelling like alcohol, I was drinking every single night. I was drinking on the weekends and not just like little drinks. Like I was like the friends I was hanging out with, we were drinking a lot. And I know exactly when you were talking about that, that feeling of, I was unhappy with my life. And when I had that brief little moment of, you know, when I was drinking of just forgetting about freaking everything forgetting about my issues, forgetting about what was going on. I was repressing everything, (laughs) like absolutely everything with the alcohol. And you are chasing that. So every single night, and it was just like, it was, and I wasn't just, you know, drinking by myself. It was like a group of people and you get into that and you get with these people. And it was just something that was starting to slowly become an issue and where it was affecting my life. I wasn't me anymore. (laughs) I was affecting my work. It was affecting, you know, relationships with other people. I had certain friends that weren't talking to me anymore. And I was like, holy shit, like I need to make a change. Like, this is not me. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) I need to figure out what is actually going on inside of my head and we need to stop this. (laughs) So I no longer hang out with those people. (laughs) I no longer associate myself with these people. I obviously, I just, I needed to make a change. And I did, and I'm no longer like that anymore, but I did go through that. And I know exactly everything you were just saying I have felt before. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really, really powerful. Especially when you said that statement about you weren't yourself anymore. And I think a lot of people (laughs) will relate to that. And some people can break free of it like you did. And some people are, are not at that stage yet. And, and unfortunately some people never will be. And again, I, I can't speak on it too much from personal experience too much, but again, like when you're chasing that escape, cause it really, it's an escape from reality. You're not really yourself because nothing that you, the past you would care about. Do you care about anymore? Because all you care about is that high. And that's what I was doing. <laughs> that's a hundred percent what I was doing. And, you know, I can still, I, you know, I still have a few glasses of wine on the weekend and then that's it. I know my cap. I just, you know, I do it because I enjoy it and that's it. I'm not, I'm not hiding myself in it anymore. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not abusing it anymore. Right. Like I could still enjoy it. It is what it is. I have a few and that's it. And then it is what it is. So I've come far in that sense as well. So that is awesome though. I'm happy for you and I appreciate you. And I'm so glad and proud of you that you did that. Cause if you didn't, you probably wouldn't be here today. <laughs> you probably honestly wouldn't be here today. So honestly, it's fantastic. And I'm super pumped. So 
I figured I was like, you know what? This is a perfect topic to share this story. (laughs) Super powerful. So before we get into kind of some action steps to help with addiction and different obsessions, I think there's, there's one more I want to like talk about a little bit because I find it so interesting and I know it's controversial and I'm not really going to say I have one strong opinion or another, but I find that the porn addiction is fascinating to me. Oh, yeah. um, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. And like porn is so huge now, like you can access it from anywhere, yeah. right? It's not like back in the sixties when all you had was a magazine. <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Well, even like, like OnlyFans, like I feel like everyone, you friggin' any, I think everyone has a freaking OnlyFans now and like you can get it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And nothing against OnlyFans without someone's no, name. You I'm do, fully you, man. for it. But it's just, it's just so interesting to me how, and everyone has their own little, their own little fetish thing. But in general, porn is very unlike most normal sex. And I yes. find that that <laughs> even though I'm, I would say I'm, I'm pro porn. I'm like not really one of those people that's like, don't watch porn. And there's nothing wrong if you're against porn because I know the porn industry is very fucking sketch. Like I know there is a lot of oh, yeah. weird yeah. shit going on, underhanded <laughs> yeah. stuff, probably yeah. illegal stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so I'm not commenting on that per se. But I obviously, for the most part, porn is very, it's very much acting, right? That's the whole, Ooh, the whole point acting. of it. And I do listen to a few podcasts from actual like sex workers. And it's really interesting to hear their perspective, but they do share that a lot of the time they are acting and they're trying to create that reality and that fetish and that escape for the the viewer. Right. Yeah. But the thing is the other side of that is that it very much creates an unrealistic expectation around sexual situations. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Especially like younger people that get into porn, right? Well, like you said, you can get, you literally can find porn anywhere. Like you literally find it anywhere. Kids these days will literally find it anywhere. And it is that unrealistic and, you know, vision of it. Right. And that's what they go into their relationships. Yeah. I think in my opinion, this is just my opinion, the most damaging part about it. And again, I'm not against porn whatsoever. I'm definitely more pro porn than I am against it. But I do find that the female perspective is very, can be very damaging to women. Now, I'm definitely not against porn. I feel like I'm going to get a lot of hate being like, oh my God, you're against porn. I'm not. I'm actually all for it. We're not. We're not. (laughs) We're fine. (laughs) Just from my experience and my experience with working with women who is primarily who we work with and who I've worked with for many years, the body image that's correlated with porn, most of it is very unrealistic for the way that most women look. I feel like it portrays a very unrealistic standard for how women's bodies should look for the most part. And I think that it portrays a lot of unrealistic expectations around a female orgasm. That as well. Like very, very unrealistic. And I feel like part of that is okay because porn is for pleasure, but I feel like because of that, it is so abused. And because of that, like real life sex is so um, not taken seriously enough. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. You got to remember too, like on the topic of that, like these women who are having these friggin' orgasms while you're watching, they're working. <laughs> they're literally working. <laughs> they ain't doing that all the time. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? These people are friggin' working, but it is, it's like, and that's what you get addicted to is that 
Exactly. And then, and then when you real do world, have an, like, an actual encounter, a sexual encounter in real life, most like, of the time, <laughs> it's not going to be like that porn. Yeah. And now don't get me wrong. I'm into like doing all this kind of crazy shit. I am. But like, I feel like it creates that very unrealistic expectation and can make real sex just not that interesting at points. Do you know what I mean? From certain it, perspectives, if that, if that is what you're exposing yourself to over and over and over again. And I feel like that's how people get addicted to porn yeah. because real life sex isn't really doing it for them. Exactly. <laughs> right. So they're and like, like oh. <laughs> that's why it can be so, so damaging. And I, I, my personal opinion is there's nothing wrong with, with watching porn by yourself. There's nothing wrong with watching porn with your partner. Um, nothing wrong with whatever, but I've heard of situations where either partner in the relationship, or maybe there could be more than one partner, whatever, it doesn't matter, whatever floats your boat, but they can become so addicted to porn that their partner is just like nothing to them anymore. Oh, a hundred percent. And like with that, when you get addicted to the, you know, porn and stuff like that, it's like you just said, it's hard to find a, I guess, deeper level of intimacy with your actual partner. Mm -hmm. And then of course, that's just going to, you know, sex isn't everything in a relationship, but it is a big freaking part of it. <laughs> so it's if a it is part, yeah. <laughs> a big part of it. So if you are destructing it by, you know, being addicted to porn and then unfortunately your whole relationship is going to unravel. Yeah. We should do a whole podcast on porn. <laughs> I think so too, because I feel like I have so much more to say on it, but <laughs> um, that's crazy. There's, there's aspects of porn that I absolutely love and there's aspects that I am not a big fan of. And I think it's really interesting as well. Like I feel like the actual porn stars role, no one really discusses that and no one is really that much aware of that, but I actually listened to some podcasts from their perspective and it is super, super interesting. <laughs> I've listened to so many podcasts with like sex workers on there and it's literally wild, like yeah. blows my freaking mind that what, you know, these people go through and no yeah. one knows about it, but they, you know, make it seem so freaking glamorous. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then Crazy. there's also, there's also different perspectives in which they're very like happy with what they do. And yep. there's aspects in which I think should be more normalized. Um, yeah. But of course, of course, I know the porn industry is very, very sketchy and there's like underage shit going on and there's drugs and like a Weird bunch of shit. Yeah. bad things happening. But I also feel like there's parts of it that should be more normalized. I totally agree. This, this is, well, this I is know completely, we... completely off topic, but I was actually Where did talking. Where we go? Well, now we know what our name is. And we were like, can you imagine? <laughs> so you know how like, you go for a massage and you could just say to your partner, like, I'm just going for a massage. And you go and someone literally just like rubs down your entire body pretty much. Yeah. Could you imagine if, <laughs> if you were just like, okay, I'm just going to go get a blow job. And he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's the difference really? If that was just normalized. Yeah, no, I guess, <laughs> I guess uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> like what? Like what makes that pleasure different than the pleasure of just getting a massage? Going for a massage. I don't know, man. Well, there's those weird rub and tug places you can go. At <laughs> some places, there is no difference, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holy fuck, where did we go with this? Now I know our next podcast uh, episode, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I just think the porn addiction is is not talked about very much, and I think that it is a very real addiction for both men and women, and it's one that's like oh, kind yeah. of hush hush, no one talks about, but it's very very mm -hmm. real. 
I feel like more people are ashamed about that one, I guess you could say, where people have it, you know, find it, I don't know if the word easier to say and admit that they have an addiction to something. I feel like that one it kept is kept hush hush because it's, you know, something that isn't talked about a lot. And it is, you know, could be embarrassing <laughs> for some A lot people. of people don't even want to say they watch porn, let alone are addicted to it, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> Every night. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, let's get back <laughs> onto our normal track here. Um, no, I don't know where we went, but we went there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you are finding yourself unhealthily, is that a word? Addicted, <laughs> or obsessed with a certain behavior, a certain substance, a certain person, or even those certain destructive thoughts. Like we can get addicted to negative thinking patterns. We can get addicted mm-hmm. to subconsciously playing the victim because people give us pity and we get pleasure from that, right? So we keep seeking out those things that are going to hurt us so we can get pity from other people. And no one wants to admit that. Yeah. There's so many things we can be addicted to and it goes so much beyond drugs and alcohol, although those are of course huge ones as well. So I have three main tips. They are very, very simple. Of course, getting professional help from practitioners, from counselors, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, getting any type of medication you may need. Again, we're not pushing medication by any means. A lot of these issues can be dealt with without medication, but sometimes medication is necessary and helpful. Yeah. One, one big thing that I think is, is very overlooked is the effect that exercise has on depression on your body, your mind, on your dopamine pathways as well. And it's, it's, it's just move, move your body, workout, move, any type of physical activity is going to help you. If you, I love looking at things from like the perspective of like what it was like a couple hundred years ago. Right. And a couple hundred years ago, we had to move in order to seek out water. And we would get that dopamine hit from the water. We would get the dopamine hit from the food. So movement is correlated to that reward system that we're talking about. Yeah. Movement is really, really powerful. Yoga, walking, any, any type of exercise is going to be good for you. It's those feelings of like that and those endorphins being released like naturally. Right. And like for me, there is no better anxiety or depression buster as effective as exercise for me. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Since we were just on the topic of porn and you just said that again, I'm just going to throw this one in there. I wasn't planning on it, but having an orgasm. (laughs) Oh, that'll a hundred percent. It is honestly so so good for you mentally and physically. Maybe not if you're a porn addict. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. But anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Any, any, yeah, it helps with anything helps my mood a hundred percent. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It also helps you sleep. Uh, yes, <laughs> it okay. definitely does as well. <laughs> um, complete small tasks. Okay. Sometimes when we are, whether we're addicted to something or not, we can find the big picture almost very discouraging. You know, if let's say you are someone suffering from an addiction to a type of substance, life can feel so freaking overwhelming and it can feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. So really, really taking a micro approach to everything, set out some small tasks, because again, 
our um, reward system is, is correlated to completion. Like as humans, we want to complete tasks. So even if it's something as simple as like, do the dishes, put them away, unload the dishwasher, take out the garbage. Like it sounds silly, but start completing as many tasks as you can. And it's going to compound and it's going to build momentum in your life. And you're going to build up that integrity to be able to take on things again and feel good about completing things and feel good and set goals and accomplish them. That's fantastic. And I think too, with that as well, like this kind of goes into that with everything you just said, but kind of tips to kind of get out of that feeling is just reflect, like reflect on it, reflect on your addiction, on your obsession, on, you know, whatever, take time to reflect on what is important to you and how this um, addiction or whatever we want to call it has, you know, negatively, you know, affected you and your life and how, you know, changing for the better or, you know, more positive outlook, how that will change your life as well. So just really reflecting on the issue itself and, you know, how to better yourself in that sense. Yes. I love that. I love that. And since you just mentioned that, I actually have this right in front of me. Something that I do now, I'm not sure if this goes as deep as, as addiction, but when it comes to self-sabotage, like that's something that I used to do a lot. Mm-hmm. And I have like two lists written down. They're pinned on my bulletin board right in front of me. And it just says things that make me feel good. And it's like these lists of things that when I do them, I feel good because sometimes I'll find myself in like a slump and I won't have even noticed that I stopped doing a lot of the things that made me feel good. And I got too narrow focused into something else. And my mind was just not functioning properly for whatever reason. And I look at my list and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. And I start to bring those things back into my life because I know they make me feel good. That's really good. And like another on reflecting too, in the same sense as that is like keeping that daily journal. Daily journals are good for everything. And like you just said too, and to help identify um, you know, positive triggers, those positive, you know, your goals, your motivators. So even like you do just stick that sticky note or whatever on that mirror and you're good to go. Yep. And my next tip. So this, again, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about, but it's simply to look for gratitude in the small things. It is so easy for us, for all of us to just take everything for granted. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'm, I'm pretty consciously aware of in my life, but I used to not be, I used to just like live my life day to day and just like look at the negative things and complain about them. Yeah. But if you really take a second to appreciate everything in your life, like we, even at our darkest freaking times, we have so much to be grateful for. So much. Yeah. Yesterday I was riding my bike and it was nice out. And I was just like thinking what a beautiful life. And like, I trust me, I have shit going on in my life that I'm not happy about. I have stress. I have a lot of things that I don't want to be doing. And I have a lot of shitty things going on, but, and I have a lot of good things too, but like just being so grateful for those little things. The fact that I was out riding my bike, the sun was shining. I could feel the nature on my skin. Like it was fantastic. And I was just soaking it in. So like, man, this is the life. This is the best thing. I just want to soak in this moment because I'm never going to have this moment again. I might have another great moment, but I'm not going to have this exact one ever again in my life. Anyways, we want to look for gratitude in small things. And we don't want to be afraid to ask for help. 
So ask for help a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Again, whether it's turning to a counselor, even someone that's a friend, that's a family member, someone that you trust, don't be afraid to ask for help. There's no shame in, in asking for help. There's no shame in admitting that there's something going on in your life that you need help with. Never be ashamed to ask for help. And that was one of it's, that's a downfall of mine. I'm obviously much better at it, but I was always afraid to ask for help because I thought it made me, you know, feel weak, but it's the complete opposite. I think asking for help makes you a extremely strong individual. I agree. I agree completely. And again, on my bulletin board, so on my bulletin board, I have like all these things that I need to hear. And I actually have one written there that says vulnerability is a sign of strength. Ooh, I like that. Because I used to think that being open and honest in certain aspects would make me look weak. So I only wanted to come across as like strong and powerful and like I had my shit together and it really was not serving me. And And I feel like a lot of people are like that too. So, (laughs) yeah. So yeah, if you are strong enough to be vulnerable, that is like huge and very, very powerful in my opinion. And I recommend letting it in, do it, <laughs> be asked for help, be vulnerable. Yep. Absolutely. So that is all I have for today. Brittany, do you have any closing thoughts? No, I think we covered absolutely everything and more. <laughs> Way more. <laughs> <laughs> and more. <laughs> all right. That was a fun one. Hopefully this resonated. It was a fun one, but it was also a serious and, and powerful one. So hopefully this resonated with you guys. Um, if it did, please send us a message. Let us know. Um, we love to hear from you guys. We love new ideas to have for the podcast. Um, feel free to drop us a review as well. That is absolutely what helps the podcast grow organically, reach new people, reach new listeners, help more people out. So give us a review. Let us know what you like about the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Nyfina at B Burgess, right? Yep. And we have a new um, Instagram page for the podcast, which is beyondthebody.podcast. We're going to post a few little snippets from the podcast and some quotes and anything else you guys want to see. I think that is all. Hey, yeah, I think that's good. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Thanks guys. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of beyond the body. If you're getting value from the podcast, please don't forget to follow rate and review. It really goes a long way. And if you're ready to take your mind and body to the next level and you want to work closely with me and my team, head over to my Instagram page at Nyfina and tap the link in my bio to fill in a coaching application to see if Cut and Conquer can help you transform your life.